we have an amazing, an amazing episode coming up. All our episodes are amazing. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, wait a minute. Blind Stigma podcast here. Dr. Yes. Natasha Williams. And I am Stacey Ann Buchanan. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Boy, this is going to be one powerful episode. Now, <laughs> mind you, you, all of our episodes are great. Don't get me wrong. Every single one of them. But Miss Karen Carrington, this woman is a force to be reckoned mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. So let me give you a bit of background about Miss Karen Carrington and, you know, just let's just get ready okay exactly. let's just get ready so award-winning talk show host karen carrington is an author mental health advocate certified personal development trainer she is the recipient of the top 100 black women to watch in canada award and the susan b anthony i lead women in leadership award her talk show the karen carrington show features guests of all walks of life, including her men's series, reaching over half a million social media views worldwide. She is a member of Women in Film and Television, has been featured on CTV National News and EverTalk TV in Hollywood. Karen Carrington's life mission is to leave the planet a better place than she found it, making sure everyone felt loved. This Ooh. woman, is, Karen, is absolutely amazing. I have amazing. seen her over the years, and what a force. Listen. And what an amazing woman to have in our community advocating for our community. Yes. Beautiful, yes, beautiful yes, woman. Yes. Listen, I have the perfect, perfect quote for Miss Karen Carrington. Okay. And it goes like this. It is going to be a lot of who she thinks she is in 2020, but not just in 2020, okay? In 2021, 2022, <laughs> 2023, leading up Keep and onwards Keep because going. I am telling you, this is a woman that just uses her pain as her power, as her purpose, and propels through life. She wears her pain like the grandest of diamonds on her crown. Oh and my she goodness. is unstoppable. Yes. She speaks my language, okay? She speaks all of her language. And when you see a woman that is so forcefully driven by ambitious ambition and her calling, you can't help but to say, I see you. Mm, absolutely. And Karen Carrington is a woman that you will see. And if you don't see her, take off your blinders and take <laughs> off your sunglasses because she, her light shines through. You will see her. Absolutely. So you know this is going to be a powerful, you powerful episode. So let us tune in. Let's go. Welcome to the Blind Stigma Podcast with your hosts, Stacey Ann Buchanan and Dr. Natasha Williams. This podcast aims to provide a safe space that explores mental health within the Black community, breaks down the stigmas attached while taking back our narratives. Hi, Karen. How are you? Good. How are you? I am excellent. This is Stacey Ann Buchanan. And Dr. Natasha Williams. Thank you so much, Karen, for joining us on our podcast, The Blind Stigma. Thank you for having me. I wouldn't be anywhere else. Oh, oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
So why don't we just dive right in? I mean, you know, we don't need any fluff or anything like that. What we usually start with is we want to ask you to please tell us your story. Mm, my story. <laughs> that uh, That is, um, I'm trying to think of where to start, but I'm going to start with the part where my story where you know, my, my mental health became, uh, started to take over my life okay, and, and great. I'll start. Yeah. Right. And, and so looking back, if I look back, it really started to take over my life when I was really young. Mm. And I think I was about like five or six, but I didn't realize it was taking over my life. Oh, you were young. Um, <laughs> well, I was young. Right. Mm. But that's when, it was, yeah, you know, and it's when I was constantly constantly wetting the bed up until 13, 14, 15. Wow. Oh, wow. And okay. that's what I mean by taking over my life where, yes, I'm, you know, at five, I'm young, you know, um, 14, 13, I'm still young, but I'm realizing something's not right, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I was really afraid to like sleep over at friends' house or there'd be that big birthday party where you'd sleep over and everyone was excited and I would be like dreading it. Mm-hmm. Oh God, how am I going to get through the night and not wet the bed, you know? Mm-hmm. And I started to investigate it more and I realized, you know, it's not, I don't want to say what's normal or what's not normal, but not normal to be a teen and waking up, you know, wetting the bed. And I realized, I was afraid. Mm. Like I was having these nightmares all the time. And the nightmares, they were normal to me. I thought having nightmares every night and wetting the bed was normal until I realized it wasn't. No one else could relate to my story. I would Mm. tell maybe one person and they thought it was odd and they told me to get it checked out. And for years, I was too afraid to face the truth on why I was having these nightmares. And where they had come from is I was brought up in a very, very strict home uh, coming from a West Indian background. And I always wanted to please my parents, especially my father. Mm. And Mm. when I felt that I failed in that area, I just got afraid. I got afraid. Um, He was really strict with us. The punishment was very severe. And the anxiety turned into wetting the bed and turned into nightmares. And I believe the nightmares were real. You know, um, I'm going to be punished for this. Um, You know, he's going to, sometimes I'd be grounded for weeks, weeks with no contact with people after school. I had to come home straight after school, no friends. Like it was, it was challenging. So that's when I realized there was an issue. And I'm also assuming and, and I'm also assuming that yeah. you, you know, whatever you're doing, you're trying to please him. But nothing that you're doing is is basically solving mm-hmm. that problem. There's nothing that I can There's do nothing. to please him. Nothing. Right. right. And then right. and then. Right. And as you know, that turns into fear. Absolutely. You know, it just turns into fear. Right. And so that's where it started. Uh, that's where my story starts. And then um, I realized I wasn't going to ever please him. So I left home and I would live, I lived in the, uh, in the YMCA. I lived in the shelter. Okay. Now what age is this when, when you're, um, when you're living on your own? Be about 17. I see. Okay. Okay. 16, 17. Yeah. 16, 17. Okay. 
And that's when I started to see the world, right. you know, I start to see the world and I start to talk to more people and I realized what I was facing was not normal. Right. Oh. And right. Right. And so, but as much as, you know, there's a stigma around the word shelter and you live in a shelter, to be honest, ladies, when I lived and I'll call it the streets, because I was like friend hopping a lot, different houses, different couches, you know, uh, that's where honestly, as sad as I was in those moments, and that's when my anxiety was um, rising, those moments were actually some of my best. I learned how to live. Okay. I learned how to survive. So that could work for me or against me. Because yes, I'm becoming a survivor, but now I'm learning that I could only depend on myself. Right, right. And I, right. So it was kind of going two ways and I could only depend on myself. So I got very strong in those years, but I also became very silent in those years, not asking for help because I thought I was invincible. Right, right. It's interesting, the perspective though, right? Because someone can look at that same situation and only see doom and gloom and just mm-hmm. only see, mm-hmm. um, you know, only see the negative aspect of it. But I, what I find so fascinating with what you've just shared is, is that, you know, some of the toughest times of your life and yes, you know, learning how to survive, but then I think also, you know, still being able to say, um, you know, even in that negativity, I learned a lot about myself. Yes. Right. So yes. that perspective, a lot of people don't get a lot of people just, touch upon the or just only see the you know desperate time shelter negativity mm-hmm. downtrodden yeah so very mm-hmm. you know i'm very fascinated that you have also that that other piece of the perspective as well which is interesting that is really interesting because i think you left yep. when you left home it's like it's, it was a mental prison so now oh, you're, lord. you're free oh lord you know, so now, we're free i'm free yeah i'm free and, right. I, and thank you for saying that there's a stigma around um shelters because i myself personally when you hear shelter you think okay i don't do they know where they're it, it's kind of like a fend for yourself you, you're not sure you're not certain am i gonna be here tomorrow am i gonna have to get up tomorrow and leave so yep. thank you for yep. thank you for stating that because i think a lot of people do have a stigma around shelters mm. so thank you for right that. you think you thank you for saying that right and and I, I do admit it was hard like who do you trust right uh can i sleep in this bed with one eye open right. uh you know i'm using a shared a shower so um, a lot of these instincts that I have today, looking back, came from those moments. Mm. These, who do I trust? Can I trust this? Um, there was a curfew to come home at night. You only get a certain amount of bus tickets. You only get this amount of day. So I learned how to fend for myself and the anxiety that was still building because there was still there was still the fear there. I was still afraid. Mm-hmm. And I learned how to suppress that, which was not um, in my best interest, because I learned to stay silent that I actually needed help. Right. I was still having those nightmares about um, my father. So there was never any, you know, sexual abuse. There was never anything inappropriate like that. I want to make sure and, you know, make that really clear. Yes, that the yes, night Right, right. But, but it was an emotional abuse. And sometimes when we hear, um, Physical abuse, like, yes, I, he gave me a black eye. I'm going to state that. Mm-hmm. You know, there was definitely physical abuse, right, that right. left marks on my face. But the emotional abuse, to me, sometimes isn't as, like, oh, you know what? You weren't sexually abused. He didn't really slap you around. It's emotional abuse. Get over it, girl. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, it, mm-hmm. oh yes, so he's calling you names, right? So he's saying you're overweight. So he's saying, you know, do better. Like, it, 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 it's not considered as bad. 
you know? And those and scars. And I felt like I'm complaining. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't want to complain. Like, toughen up. Okay, so we called you. You know, he'd call me Marshmallow. And to me, Marshmallow means soft and oh. overweight. I was soft and overweight. Mm-hmm. Soft. I was called Softy Softy. Oh, Softy Softy. Because I was crying too much. I'd cry too much. Oh, Softy Softy. And, and those, thought, those scars, those emotional scars, scars are more and deeper penetrating than the physical, physical. scars. And exactly. I, a lot of people yes. don't realize the the multifaceted arms of abuse. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're just names, right? Like, get over it. It's a name, hmm. right? And so I told myself, get over it. And if you do share it with someone, Karen, there's worse out there, right? Hmm. So I just kind of sucked it up. And then I brought those emotions into my marriage as well. Right. You know, right. I, I never dealt with it. I never dealt with it. And I believe I got married looking back to mask these feelings. I mean, rewind a bit. I actually got pregnant before I got married to mask these feelings. I was doing a lot of things. Yeah, a lot of things to find love. Yes. And I don't regret having my son early. I was 19. I don't regret it. But looking back now, I could see what I was doing. And I was trying to fill in gaps where I really should have been doing the work to recover. Mm -hmm. And I was, yeah, doing, I was going about it the wrong way. And it did destroy, which I know we'll get into later, a lot of relationships with um, just people, like with friends, you know? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I I think um, I, I read somewhere and in doing the work, sometimes when you feel an abandonment, by a parent like not Mm. having that love what it what it translates into is you seeking validation Mm. when you go out there in the world so it's like seeking validation because you didn't you didn't get this 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 love or this feeling of love and nurturing so Mm. then it translates into you um um always having to 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 feel validated or need to feel validated because it didn't start at yes. home where that safe space should be, yes. you know. So, and, and when we grew up in adults, we would wonder, what? Well, where is this sense of uh, feel like mm. need, the mm. need for a validation, mm. or 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 you you have this strong sense of I like to call it the ambitious anxiety, oh where you have to just keep mm. going, keep going, keep going because you need that praise, you need that praise because you didn't yes, get that and it praise. becomes an addiction. Right. It becomes. I love the way you were clapping your hands. It becomes an addiction. Like, you know what? You go back for another hit. You go back yes. for another hit. You go yes. back for another hit. Yes. And you know what I mean? And when you get it, it works against you because now you're addicted to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could be addicted to the, uh, I wish, I wish if you said I'm really pretty or smart or whatever, or if you said, um, I'm fat and stupid and you know, whatever, I wish both of those comments wouldn't affect me. Oh. I wish I, 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 I was Yes. yes. I wish nothing affected me. So I kind of wish like, yes, the validation felt great. But then when you would call me, when someone would call me names, it was so much on the other end of the spectrum. I'd feel terrible, mm. like terrible. And so it was like I was addicted to the high of the compliments. And then when the rejection came in, that's when sometimes I would get these thoughts of I don't want to be here anymore that's how bad it got it got that bad that if someone said something negative about me i question my life on this earth very polarized kind of thinking right it's 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 an all or nothing kind of phenomenon yes Mm. 
very, very black or white. Okay. You like me? Sure. I should live today. You don't like me today. Okay. I don't want to live. Like you can't live like that. Right. Okay. That's true. Okay. And, uh, there's, um, there's a part in, um, my book, a fresh start. And thank you both so much for ordering your copies. Oh, there's this course. part that I, yes, yes. I wrote about, um, exactly what we're talking about just now. You guys just reminded me there was this, um, affirmation that I put in there and I remember it saying something along the lines of what we're just saying about, um, you know, you're saying it's all or nothing. Right, right. And I said in there, I said in there, I am not my thoughts or my feelings. Mm. I am not my thoughts or my feelings. Okay. Because I was really identifying who I was with my thoughts or my right. feelings. Right. Right. And I, I, I believed that. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. No, the, the other thing I was going to say is a lot of times when we're in that black and white thinking kind of mode, what happens is, is, is that someone says something and, you know, negative, the saying, the saying of something negative is not necessarily the issue. It's what we answer to or what we, what we actually believe. So someone could tell me, that I'm fat, but then I also have to make a choice to receive it and believe mm-hmm. what that person says. Mm-hmm. Right. That so, is so key. Yes. Right. Because, you know, I was doing this, um, I was doing this uh, course once in Arizona and the, the teacher had said, uh, it was Jack Canfield. I went to Arizona. Oh, yes. to, for yeah. course. Right. And he said, if someone said, Hey, your hair is green. Mm-hmm. Would you believe it? Right. No, mm-hmm. no, because mm-hmm. like, you made a choice. Right I'm like, no, you made a choice. Yeah, like, not right. But obviously, my hair is not green. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, if someone says you're stupid, Karen, you know you're not. So, mm-hmm. why are you why are you now contemplating? Oh, maybe I am. Maybe I am. Yeah. Right? right? You're so certain your hair is not green. Then, why are you not? <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, right? Oh, goodness. When someone says something else, now I'm kind of wondering, is it true? Is it not? Is it? So that makes me believe if I'm so certain my hair is not green, Mm -hmm. but if they're saying, hey, you're stupid and I'm actually contemplating it, there might be something inside of me that really believes that. Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I hear you. Right. I hear you. Maybe it is me. Right. I start to take more accountability about my thoughts and my feelings. Stacey Ann and Natasha, Dr. Natasha can't make me feel this. So it's somewhere in me that right. I'm believing it. Right. Right. No, it's, and it's very that, true. Yes. That's when I started to realize I need help. It was too much of a yo-yo where people's comments and thoughts about me were depicting who I was and I was, and I was believing it. Okay. Cause I was and actually, I realized, I, right. good. I was actually going to ask you the next, the next question that we sort of foray to anyhow is, is sort of mm. at what point did you realize that, you know, yeah. that you needed, that you needed help? Cause you're talking about, you know, uh, you know, married, getting, you know, getting pregnant or um, before getting married, but getting married, but then mm-hmm. also, also recognizing, you know, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but recognizing the toxicity mm-hmm. of the, of the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, at what point did you, you know, get to a place where you're like, okay, yeah, this is, cause here's the other thing. And, and I'll just explain this. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people are comfortable in the yo-yo. Yes. If you see what I'm saying, yeah, yeah. as uncomfortable yeah. as it is and the back and forth, if that's all I know, I may just stay there. Mm-hmm. So there's something that I guess sparked within you that said enough is enough. The yo-yo is is done. 
and I need to get help for this. So I would love to hear from you, you know, at, in your mind, what was your pivot point or what was your space where you're like, mm-hmm. I need to address this and wh- how did you address it? Yes. Mm, I love that question. I love that yo-yo analogy too. Like, mm. and I love the part where you said we get used to it. Like, you know, um, Stacey and I think you and I sometimes have these conversations where that's just our life. Sometimes we're just up and down, back and forth, da da da. Mm. You know, um, it's just my life. Like, it's just normal. I started to think it was normal to be like that. You know, running around all over the place, not just physically, but in my head. And I would think of it like kind of like the yo-yo, or I would think of it like I was in a tennis game, Dr. Natasha. Like, uh-huh. I'd hit the ball. You would hit it back at me. Mm-hmm. I hit it back at you. Right. You hit it back at me. I think every time I hit the ball, it's the last one. Okay, mm-hmm. it's the last thing coming yeah. at me. If, if I hit it one more time, I'm, it's good. Right. And it kept on coming and coming, and that was the point saying, my God, every time I hit this ball, it's back. <laughs> like, <laughs> I started to realize this game will never be over. Mm-hmm. That's right. I was in a tennis match forever and I realized I put my racket down, you know, visually my racket down right. and say, the only way this game will be done is if I leave. Oh shoot. That's, if a, I, that's a good visual. Yo, that's a good visual. Yo, I like yo, that. What? The only way this is yo. done is if I leave. Right. Drop, <laughs> if I, drop your racket yo, and that, yo. step off. You know what I mean? Like, hit the ball on my side all you want. I'm not there. You're playing by yourself. Amen. You're playing by yourself. I'm gone. And my my nice skirt, you know, the the short skirt. You know, the tennis skirt. You know. (laughs) Karen, I I know know you're stylish, eh? So I know that. We ain't even even playing with that. So I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. You know, make sure I get my photo op first and then I walk off. Right? Okay, right? (laughs) Right? Right. And then I walk off. Right. And then that's what I realized when, when I walked away, that's when it stopped. And I walked away and I was in the, I was in, um, I drove to the doctors. Oh, I drove to the doctors myself. Mm -hmm. And I remember the day that I realized it was too much is when I, it started to affect my work life too. Right. And so I remember just leaving at lunch hour and driving to the doctor's. And I had my head on the steering wheel and I started to cry into the steering wheel and I just couldn't even make it a few steps to the office. I'm like, come on, Karen, just turn off the ignition, put the keys down, walk to the office, like to the point I had to walk myself through every small task. And I got to the front desk at the reception office and I said, you know, all that I did know what to say. And my name is Karen Carrington and I need help. Mm, That's wow. all I could muster up. That's mm. all I could say. I only knew my name and that I needed help. And for the first time I put my trust, because don't forget growing up in the shelter and streets and working on intuition and I do my own thing. It's the first time I asked for help in such a vulnerable state. I'm, mm. Here's my name. I need help. The ball's now in your court. Right. Tell me what to do. Right. Because I clearly don't know what I'm doing. And there was there must have been some trust that you had in your doctor to even even take that step to walk into the office. Yeah, you're right. That's 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 a good point because looking back now, I just 
tried to think, who can I trust? And I remember they helped me, you know, give birth to my sons. And, you know, they've oh, always so been there was really a good building, to me. There was yeah. a building of trust from beforehand with other significant parts of your life. So th- there was already a trust established, if you want to call it that. Correct, mm. correct. But I do admit, I do admit, you know, there was still a little fear, but you are correct. It was the most trust I could think of at the time. Right, you right. know, I hear you. Right. And I know, and, and yourself being a doctor as well, that... How do I put this? You can't hold anything really against me. You're not my friend. Oh, you're not my parents. Right, right, right. You're not my colleague. You're someone where legally you, you, you got to be confidential. You got to help me. Yes. Right? Uh, I saw, uh, that's a great way yeah. of putting it. That is a, no, uh, you know what yeah. I'm saying, Cynthia, right? Yeah, I do. They, they, I do. Because, you know, I don't know if you guys can relate. I think so. But when you tell sometimes your friends along the way or some certain people in your circle, there has been some regret there. Yes. You know, where, yeah, yes. you I can, know, I can, when I can, uh, I can relate in a sort of a way when I was going through my struggles and I didn't know who to trust but my dad. And when I told my dad what I was going through, he suggested that I tell my business to strangers, not friends, because a friend may tell another friend, mm. and, another friend and another friend and another friend and another friend. Right. So that trust of, of sharing with friends, my dad didn't like that. So he figured strangers was the best thing to tell because they don't know you. Well, how mm-hmm. are they going to find you? Who are they going to tell your business to? Right. Because he feared people were going to say, talk my business. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. And, and Stacey, don't you ever have those moments uh, when you're just at a park and there's a bench and there's just some person there, you know, maybe you know, an older woman or a young girl, and you could just talk everything. Yeah. Well, that's how you'll never see them again. You know, well, that's exactly the first time I I felt like I got help was when I was in the park crying and a lady came up to me and said, how are you doing? And I told her everything. And, and it was the first time I ever shared what was going on and without feeling judge any form of judgment, it was a listening ear. That's all I needed was someone to listen. I didn't, I didn't care for advice. I didn't care for, but you have this and you have that. I just wanted someone to listen. And that's exactly, you described exactly my first encounter with therapy. <laughs> and you know, like, right? for, for wow. lack of word, my, my first encounter with sharing, with, with taking everything that was inside of me and sharing and sharing that. Wow, that is so, especially when we travel as well. Like, mm-hmm. I love when we go to different countries. I know you've done a lot of traveling yourself, both of you. Mm-hmm, yeah. And sometimes you're at the beach, you know, in Cuba or whatever, and I could say everything, you know, mm, <laughs> you know, yes, yes. You could say everything. Right. But then you want that level now of professionalism on right. top of that. Like yes. it's great to have someone listen, but now I realize, okay, I need you to listen and, 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 you know, help me medically here. Right. right. So what did your doctor, never, what did your doctor end up doing or, or how did he, um, how he, how did he or she, um, help you? You know, it was, uh, to be honest, it was, I, I believe looking back now, uh, he, he went above and beyond like oh. he just there was a long wait list and i think because he saw the severity of it mm-hmm. was just able to get me into this program where I said i know there's a program i'll make some phone calls you really really need help wow. and wow. as comforting as that was that he was able to get me in the program a part of me was like Ugh. Like what strings did you have to pull? Like how much help do I need? Is it that bad? Like, you know, like where where you think I need to go, (laughs) you know, like it was great. It was a compliment that he was willing to help to that level. But then a part of me was like, how bad am I Mm -hmm. that you need to put me in front of the list? You know what I mean? And so I start to question like, um, 
is it that bad? And when I got into the class, so it was an actual classroom setting and it was months and months and months of therapy. Uh, my doctor was right. I did need a lot more help than I thought. Mm, I needed a lot more. So it was a day program. So it wasn't like just visiting. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, um, intake program. Right. And so I, me, Karen Carrington, I thought I looked like on the outside, I have it all together. And me pressing that number in the elevator, when you go into the hospital, everyone knows what the sixth floor meant. Everyone. Yes. Yes. Girl, I wanted to pick the third floor food court so badly and then take the (laughs) stairs, you know, it's that. (laughs) Because, yes, you know, it would say mental health floor, like right. on floor six. Yes. So to press it, I was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. You know, and then I would see just some guy beside me and some older woman beside me and a younger kid and different cultures and diversity and different walks of life. And we all, oh, my God, we all got off at the sixth floor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And it was in that very moment I felt normal, like, wow, we come in all different shapes, sizes, walks of life. You know, I saw upscale lawyers in there, you know, bus driver. Oh, yeah. Prestigious billionaire. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, we all come, you know, we all have this common denominator that we all need help. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was months and months and months and uh, booklets and homework. It was a lot of uh, recovery, mm-hmm. a lot of setbacks. Right. I'll be really transparent. Good. You know, you don't okay. just do the work and you're, you know, better. Thank you. I'm so glad you said this. Yeah, there was setbacks, man. When you think you've graduated from that class and you're there again next Tuesday, it's like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and the teacher sees you again, and the teacher takes your name again, Karen Garrington. I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> but what I what I so appreciate is is that you you speak realness to the journey, because I think a lot of people mm-hmm. think that you know the minute you set yourself in, in into treatment into day program or something that that's it, that's and, it. and the trajectory is straight yes. and you're healed absolutely nope. not no. you're, you're you're describing nope. healing like right. it, it's not linear you know mm. it's a lot of stripping away and and yeah you're right and 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 yep. And, mm. yeah yeah and if it's years and years to get to that place <laughs> it could be years and years to fix right, right? and that's when true. you go back thank you for saying yeah that. Yeah, you go back into the real world because day in day program we were all you know besties and we we're doing yoga and we we're cooking classes together and we take daily walks. So they're all, you know, it's 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 comforting there. It was my comfort place, my safe place. Mm-hmm. And then you go back into the world, the real world, and you don't have those um, crutches anymore. It, you, you fall back sometimes even harder, you know, because you feel like you did so much work. And then to see yourself fall back in like an argument or you have a breakdown or, you know, um, you start not eating again and not sleeping. And I was diagnosed, by the way, with general anxiety disorder. I'm not sure if we said that. Uh, Okay, no, thank you for that. Yeah. And I would get this anxiety again and questioning myself again. And I said, oh, my gosh, it's coming back. And that would set me back more because I felt like now a double failure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like who goes to rehab, gets help, and then you're, you're, you know, you're still not like, you know, now you've really failed the system, Karen. Like, you know, the system can't even help you, right. you know, and I, I felt worse. Mm. And to keep on coming back and to keep on coming back, 
because don't forget, I'm trying to integrate back into work as well. So people at the workplace is like, oh God, Karen's gone again. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if they were saying that, but that's certainly how I felt. Karen's missing. Oh, she's got to be, you know, and 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 so now it affects your work life. And that fuels the anxiety as well, because if we're also perceiving or what are, what we're thinking in terms of what the coworkers or colleagues are, are, are saying that fuels our anxiety even more because what we do is we, um, we, we forecast or we try to mind read, right? That this is what they're thinking. You know, they know that I'm off and Oh, I'm off again. Okay. Here we go. Right. So that fuels that, that, feels your own anxiety over and over again you got on the first day back you want to die like the first day you walk with your your access card you're in the elevator and there's the you know small talk by the cooler hey you've been gone for a while and like you try (laughs) to dodge the question and or you try to throw yourself right back into work and overly prove yourself because now you got to overcompensate for the two months you were gone and you know, I'm being a black woman, oh, black, geez. I'm black, mm-hmm. I'm a woman, mm-hmm. okay, oh, black yes. and a woman, if I write a document with a mistake, uh-oh, it's Karen's anxiety flaring up, you know, like, yeah. you know, so now I have to triple prove myself. Mm. A black woman with anxiety, you know, made a mistake on a document, great, right. you know, it's got to be that again. So if anyone would correct me, you're right. I think it was a lot in my head. I would take it really personally. Oh no, I was confused by the question. I didn't understand it. That's why I made the mistake. Why did I come back to work? Was I really ready? You know, I would take like 20 minutes to click on send on a subject line of an email. Over analyzing. Did I make a mistake? Did I make a mistake? What are they going to think if I do? Hypervigilant. You know, because, mm. yeah. And it was now affecting my work even worse. Right, right. Even worse. And um, I don't know if... <sighs> the only way I was able to overcome, and I learned this in the cognitive uh, behavior therapy, okay, okay, is make the mistake. Allow yourself to make the mistake. I love that you're saying this. Yes. Click on send. I would close my eyes, take the deepest breath and say, click on send. And whatever mistake happens of it, you will deal with it at that time. Oh, yes. But don't make something um, not happen. Like, I, I, I... you know, I would say this other thing in my head sometimes, Karen, you're not that special. Not everybody's looking at your email looking for your mistake. But what a way to reframe it. What a way to reframe it, though. But yes, when you start I had to get my ego in check. I had to get my ego in check, girl. And and you have to start taking that, you have to take that pressure off of yourself. That's true. Right? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, don't anybody reading your email. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I hear you. And I'm so glad that you, you know, you, you mentioned the, the modality of therapy. I won't get into it, you know, in, in, in this episode, but, you know, a lot of times, you know, we talk about cognitive behavioral therapy. And for the viewers that don't know, basically what cognitive behavioral therapy is, is how your thoughts affect your feelings, affect your behaviors. I'll, I'll sort of leave it at, at that. But it's a, it's a mm-hmm. way to, to retrain your thoughts and your behaviors.
behavior so that you're able to cope in the world, right? Because a lot of times it's not the situation that's the problem. It's our perception of the situation that, that's Amen. causing the problem. Amen. So this, Amen. Is what, this is what CBT does. It helps you to reframe. So being able to say what you've just said, it allows you to reframe um, you know, your perception of sending that email or what the, or what anxiety you'll have as a result of, of, of sending that email and stuff like that. So, um, yes, I'm so glad that you, that yeah, you've mentioned this. I love the way you explain that. I love the way you explain that. I remember, um, I was, uh, I would write it in my notes. I have it right here beside me. It was, um, again, one of the affirmations from my book. And I would say this one out loud right before it says, I won't let my fear of what could happen make nothing happen. Oh, oh. amen. Oh, yes. and let, and let me tell you, oh boy, and let me tell you <laughs> about, <laughs> those, about those what if statements mm. that I had to learn this year. Those huh. what mm. if statements do not serve you at all. All they do is interfere with your happiness and your peace and block the flow of the present moment. Take that. Oh, they God. do you not are so, serve you. I love you. that. Mm. So they, these, I love what when is, you said that. Is, yeah. Mm-mm, mm-mm, throw them out of the door. I, I have no time for what ifs. So thank what ifs? you we can for what if saying that. that. That's true. Thank you That's so much. So You're so right, Stacey Ann. You're so right. We can what if like Exactly. What if forever? What if? What if? What if? And that was me. What if? What if? What if? I can just see you and I saying that on the phone back and forth, you know. And it's like, it's like, you know what? But I do believe, I do believe, going back to the shelter and that that discernment and intuition that I had, I did have a what if what if mentality to survive. Hey, what if you go left? Yes, okay, you might not be able to get home on time because you'll miss the bus. Because da 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 da. Like I had to kind of think things out logically. Right. If you do this, then this may happen. Right. Cool. Right. So I, I do need a bit of that in my life to make sure I'm going down the right path. Mm-hmm. But you're right. But that's just being diligent. Right. But you're right. I would take it too far. OK, but if the bus blows up and then if the bus is this and then what if I don't have my fur? Oh, I would just go too far. You know, right, right. don't you ladies find don't you guys find when you just jump into things? I mean, you know, sometimes it looks a bit irresponsible just to jump into things and, and not think it through. But do you guys ever get that feeling when you just jump? It feels so refreshing when you just yes. take that leap yes. of faith. Yes. yes. Well, here's the thing. There's there's um, there's courage in, in sort of taking mm. that leap of faith, faith. because... I may not know exactly what I'm jumping into, but the reason I even have enough courage to jump is because I still know that in my repertoire, if you want to call it that, Mm. I've got coping strategies that will allow me to get through this. Mm -hmm. Regardless that I don't know the exact one that I need, I still feel confident enough in myself to know that even if I don't know what's going to happen when I jump, I still know Mm -hmm. that I can handle it. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's it. And yeah. And to the both of you, like, you know, I, I know the both of you to jump quite often on a lot of things, you know, and you, we, you always land on your feet. And it's so exciting to see all the hoops and the excitement things that you guys are jumping on or jumping through mm-hmm. and landing on. And when you guys jump, you know, then other people follow suit. Hey, if she could do it, I can do it too. That's it. You know, yeah. that's it. You lead by example. Yeah, it, it, it's like it's like faith in it. You know, till I make it. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 use, It's just knowing. It's there, like when it comes to what if statements. It's, it's not saying what if I fall, but what if I fly? 
Right. You know? right. But what if it's counteracting right. the, the negative That's waters it. with some positive? But what if I fly? Right. And and this is the thing. I'm, yeah. I am a woman. When I move, it may I am jumping. Yes, but it, it's ordained by God, and God says you are moving. Oh. oh and ooh. when God tells yes. me to move, I'm not going to question God because God is going to make me uncomfortable. That's it. So uncomfortable. I'm not going to yes. enjoy my oxtail and rice and peas. Take that. Because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> because He said, "Listen, you need to make this move, and you're not making." this move yeah that's yep. how it is yep. <laughs> that's how you know you gotta jump and you know what we always think like you know what's uh, you know us three you know we're very strong we're very you know uh, leaders in the community right so we're known to be the first jumpers right right, <laughs> like, right, right, right. <laughs> people are looking for us to jump first and to see what happens mm-hmm. and so because sometimes we feel that all eyes are on us well, if I jump and fail, everyone will see, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do admit I would always think sometimes I wish my life was not in the spotlight. Right. Because mm-hmm. then if I jump and fail, no one would know. But then yeah. there's also a kind of jumping in silence too, you know? And then when you mm-hmm. land, boom. True. There's, there's True. always that jump in silence. Right. I don't right. have to announce that I'm about to jump. Right, right, right. But then right. You, you, and you don't have to see the jump. True. But when I land, True. you can see When I land. Landing. Yes. 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 On our so, stilettos. When we land our stilettos, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when we land our stilettos, you know, here we yes. are, right? And, no. and you, yeah. And you know, Karen, I just want to, I want to jump into this now because I wanted to know if you could tell our audience, where are you now? In, mm. in in your journey in life, where where is Karen Carrington right now? Oh, I can't wait for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> ever, I was going to give everybody a moment to get their tea. Hold on, let's just take a pause. And- <laughs> Because like everybody take their step, okay? Because okay, I, okay. No, because you know what, Karen? Karen, I know you're doing so much stuff, so that's why I'm excited to hear. I want to, I want to hear what you got to say. <laughs> say what I got to say. Okay, I have something exciting, and thank you so much. First of all, for bringing me on your platform. So maybe I'll use your platform for the first time that I speak about it. I absolutely no one knows. So I'm more than happy to share it here first. Hey, um, thank you. Yeah. Right. I'm going to get all cozy. Hold on. So um, (laughs) as you guys may or may not know, I um, am an advocate uh, for mental health and also for men and their voice as well, because men sometimes don't have their uh, they don't feel safe to speak their vulnerabilities and whatnot. So I'm in the not the middle, actually the end. I was just finishing the last chapter. I'm co-authoring a book with a, a social worker and it's for men's mental health. Oh, yes. yes. And I think this is such a fitting place to say that. Such a, no one knows, Dude. no one, just oh. us three right here. Yes. Oh, right? Yes, I'm so yes. excited. Oh my gosh. This is that, incredible. and it was such a jump, like you guys said, right? Like, what a jump. I'm a woman, I'm writing a men's mental health book, right? Um, what a stigmatized taboo subject, you know, for men and um, partnered with someone because I know like yourself, Dr. Natasha, that I'm not the expert. I'm a mental health advocate. I so I speak about it, but I'm not the expert. So I was, what I did was coupled with the social worker right. um, and he's a man so right. that I made sure his expertise came to the table and my, you know, and then my knowledge came to the table as well. Oh. So that's supposed to drop very soon. And I'm so excited. I got oh, to share it with my girls here. So exciting. Yes. yes. Congratulations. You know, oh my goodness. Amazing. 
thank you. Thank you. It's, 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 and, and like Stacey said, like, you know, doing it in silence, you know, I think you're right. I do things in silence because I just want to make sure I have everything right. You know, one day I might practice saying something ahead of time. So if it does fail, <laughs> you know, I don't have that safety net, but yeah, I like to do things in silence just because, um, because we're talking about anxiety here and I do, yes. I don't need the ex- external distractions right. that mm-hmm. may bring about uh, unnecessary anxiety to my projects. Right, of course. And like you lady said, I am doing a lot of projects, whether they be community focused or for my studio. And so I work better in silence um, because it's a coping mechanism for me. Mm-hmm. I realized mm-hmm. I need coping mechanisms and I work better when I'm in my own safe space Mm, and the other distractions. Yeah. The other distractions can deter me and I might start believing some things. Oh, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe, you know, so Mm -hmm. I do have my tight circle and I could share, you know, with them, but I do work better in silence, but sharing with you guys here about the book was super, super exciting. And it's going to be, yeah, it's for men of all walks of life, whether a teenager, um, we talk about sexuality in there. We talk about um, addictions in there. We talk about some pretty heavy topics mm-hmm. and um, in a very uh, relatable way. So, yeah, that will be dropping in um, for Mental Health Month. Amazing. Oh, my oh, goodness. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Do we want to thank you? So that's where I'm at now. So yes. that uh, I was working on that right before uh, us three ladies got to speak. So that's I put oh. that aside and right, just re editing last moments. But I'm so glad I got to share with you, too. Oh, thank Honestly, you. Thank, you thank you so much. I thoroughly, thoroughly appreciate this. I want the audience well, everything to know you guys too. do for the community. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, I hear Thank that you. you 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 are a talk show host of your own uh, talk show. Mm-hmm. You're a queen of the social scene. You're yeah. an author. Yes. You know, you're yes. an incredible woman. You're doing so much. You're leading and you're leading in your in your right. lane. You're right. leading in your lane and, and paving the way for so many people. Um I'm going to I'm going to share a story um before I get into asking you the next question. Me me and Karen, we we go way back. And Karen, we can share this little personal mm-hmm. journey of ours where yes. we were supposed to do a talk show together on on oh, mental health. This story, and, yes. um, things didn't things didn't come through. The deal wasn't looking as great as it should be for us. And um, we were sitting at the at a coffee shop. It was it co- not wasn't coffee time. It was coffee. Um, mirage, was it mirage? Uh, coffee culture. Coffee, coffee culture. culture. Yes. And, yeah. um, I, I think you already started your Instagram, right, Karen? Yes. And yes, I, and yes, I, and I said, yes. Karen, you need to call, you need to put your Instagram name as the Karen Carrington show. Oh, we didn't, she we didn't have a talk show. Listen, yo, Karen, yo, you're going to change yo. it right now. You're changing that right now. It is the Karen Carrington show. Yo. Wow. And, and let's put some context around it. That was back in Oh yeah! This oh was, yo! Yeah, and this, this was like a 2015 or 2016 was because ago. it was it was yeah, yes. like 2015. I, I remember the blind stigma just came out because the show was going to yes. be on mental health and and based on on my me being an advocate, getting to the advocacy uh, part of my journey after the film came out, and I was like, no, you're you're going to be doing this, and yeah. Yeah, oh, that is, really, yeah, and I, I will never forget. Manifest. Oh my god! Oh yeah! Oh, it was because I remember um, my Instagram because I was at the time 
uh, and, and thanks for bringing up that story. That story means a lot to me. And I'm glad that it was us that went through that together mm-hmm. because that was so devastating, like to go back a bit when it didn't work out the way we thought it would. Yes. I remember, again, that's another example of, um, I won't speak for you, but I think we felt similar where I felt defeated, you know, mm. like I felt like, you know, it was just, it was, I felt in that moment like a failure, but then when we, we spoke and we came together, it was like, let's step into our own power. We can make our yes. own things happen. Because yes. what it is, <laughs> Dr. Own, Natasha, yeah, yeah we, it's like we were giving someone the key to our future. Oh, it was like somebody was leading right. us to be like, like here, here's my career. This right. is my life. You, you have it in the palm of your hands. You okay. can do whatever. Ah, so that ah, situation ah. flipped. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. And even no, giving no, no, away exactly the rights said it. to no, my no, no, film is no, 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 no. like a major thing. And I was just like, no, 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 no. I, I would never put myself in that position to ever feel like it, it, me taking a step is dependent on someone else. Yes, I hear you. I hear you. Right. My That's exactly yeah. what it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, I'll, I, I remember the scene. I remember the scene. Her and I, our foreheads were kind of together and we're both looking at my phone. Mm-hmm. And my username at the time was... Um, Karen Carrington underscore one, just, just boring and whatever, <laughs> you know, just right. Right. Just underscore. We're like, who are you like, you know, underscore. Oh my God. And so I, uh, we went to go see if the Karen Carrington show, uh, handle was, was, uh, available. And it was, mm-hmm. and I remember like in slow motion, my finger going towards the phone, you know, clicking the word <laughs> update. And I remember when it updated to the Karen Carrington show, we screamed, like we screamed yes. as it updated. Yes. It was green. Like, ah! You know, oh and so God. even though nothing changed, mm-hmm. everything changed. That's right. Right? That's right. Oh my nothing God. changed. I was still me. I was still me. I'm still doing my videos, but the name, I I, I owned it. I owned it. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? Yes. I owned it. And then a year later, the show manifested. It just oh it just manifested my. as my own show. And 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 the name. You know, the name, the Karen Carrington, that name ugh, means a lot to me. Of course. That name means a lot to me. It has an amazing ring to it. But it was also a name that in my in my marriage, you know, when I kept that name, Karen Carrington, I remember similar to like the feeling I had with Stacey Ann at that moment. I remember keeping my name, but making it my own. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I remember saying to myself, this name is too good to give back. I'm sorry. Like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, what can I, I remember being in my bed saying, what can I do with this name? I'll never forget Mm. in my bed. I was thinking, cause I have my hairstyling license. Should I become a stylist again? Should I go back to that life? Should I go back? No, you are your own brand. Mm -hmm. The name of your company Mm -hmm. will be Karen Carrington because you are Karen Carrington. This is you. And I thought, but what am I going to sell? What products? What can I do? I'm like, you're going to sell your life. Mm. You're going to talk about your life. And I don't mean sell as in like dollar value, but I mean, that is what you're going to be. And you're going to be authentic. And you're going to share your story of what you went through. Absolutely. Wow. Oh my gosh. And that's how it came about. The show became about um, sharing my story about mental health and being more transparent about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm you know, not holding back. Of course, there was still fear. Like I was still scared of a bit of judgment. But I'll remember I went, it was uh, City TV once and they asked me the question, um, Chem H was doing a bike-a-thon 
Mm-hmm. And I remember they gave me the microphone, City TV. And I said my name into the microphone and that I deal with general anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. And I realized once I said it on television, it, I, I can't take it back. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. You can't take it back. You, you own can't it. take it back. Own right? it. I yeah. owned it. That's right. I owned yeah. it. That's it's on TV. Yeah. I can't take it back. I can't take it back. Right. And you know what? I, again, I think that's an example of putting yourself in a place of like, not fear, but hey, say it. See that's what right. happens. That's right. Don't what if. Just say it. Let's see what happens. Let's see where this goes. Exactly. And look exactly. where it got me today. That's right. Amen. Yeah, look where it got me today. Amen. Yeah, look where it got me today. Yeah, um, yeah. Karen, we're going to go into um, one of our final questions. One of our final questions. Mm-hmm. And, and, that is, and that is for you. We're asking you, how can we change the stigma in our community? The stigma of mental health in the black community. Mm. In the black community, how could we change the stigma? I believe, I believe conversations like these, I believe Mm -hmm. conversations with people who have a voice, right? There's some people who I, who may still feel afraid, but every story matters. Every story matters. So I was so honored to come on this podcast because I'm saying, okay, if I say something, then maybe that will encourage that sister to say something mm-hmm. and that person to say something. Exactly, exactly. If Karen Carrington could say then, wow, she went through it. I thought she had it all together. Then maybe I could say something too. Oh. You know, it's stories matter. That's right. Stories matter. I believe if everyone stood up one day and said, oh, I deal with this. I have depression. I feel suicidal. I, if we all came together and had more open conversations like this, I really believe, I don't know if that would be the answer, but it would certainly stop the stigma. Mm-hmm. I agree. I absolutely agree. Thank you so much for that. Because I think a lot of times our silence is what um, strengthens the stigma. So being yes. able mm-hmm. to have the conversations, I love that. it creates um, additional safety for somebody else to come up and share mm-hmm. their story. So mm-hmm. it's in it's in the the speaking out that we can start to dismantle the stigma. So thank you so much for that, Karen. Absolutely. You're so right. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. I'm, I'm so excited when it becomes normal. Like we all have thank it. Okay. We all, <laughs> we all yes. deal. We all deal yes. with something, we all right? Deal with something. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, right. Karen, this is our the final question. And this is what I like to call the fun question. So yeah. um, <laughs> I'm going to ask you if you could use one word, just one word to sum up your journey your mental health journey, what would that one word be? One word to sum up my mental health journey, what would that be? Um, I think that one word would be that one word would be God. Oh, oh, take okay, All right. Oh, I'm getting up now. <laughs> wow. wow. Okay. Okay. Yes. Oh. Wow. Yeah. That would be. Yeah. What else can we say after that? You, you can't, can't say, say nothing, nothing after that. Say, it's just like with, with a tennis. You're just playing the game, and she's like, right? "This is how the game's gonna end when I leave." Uh, yeah. Exactly. Like, this is it. Like, you know, you like, drop the racket. Yes. That's what I'm say. Yeah. And God. And God's like, God. There's, there's yeah, God's no like, explanation. Yeah, yeah. No there's nothing need to summarize. None. This is it. That's it. None. Wow. That's it. 
That's it. Karen, That's it. All That's I can it. say is God bless you. You are such you. you are such a phenom. You are such a force. God is just getting started with you. I hope mm-hmm. you I hope mm-hmm. you know this. But mm-hmm. we, we see you. We love you. Continue to excel to higher heights because the community needs you. The community loves you. We love you. Yes. And we we can't wait. Can't wait for the book to come out, but we just can't mm. wait to see what is next from you. So again, thank you so thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you thank for taking you. the time for thank sharing you. on our podcast. Thank you. Yes. I love you. Thank you, ladies. I love you so much. Thanks for having me until we speak again. Absolutely. You've reached the end of another episode of the Blind Stigma Podcast with your hosts, Stacey Ann Buchanan and Dr. Natasha Williams. Thank you for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener and you like the show, then please subscribe, rate, and review us on all the major podcast platforms. Don't forget to connect with us on social media at The Blind Stigma and join the conversation. Find out more about each guest and help us to change the stigma while taking back our narratives. This podcast is produced by What's Up Toronto and Stacey Ann Buchanan Productions.